Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Mara Bordon. I'm Tony Dees. I'm Mara Diarmas. I'm Gabi Edo. And I'm Brian Ferreiro. And you're listening to the final episode of the Mass News Middle School Quarantine Podcast, where every Monday and Friday, we've brought to you the latest information that you need to know about this global pandemic. But today, we wrap things up with a very long and special finale. On today's episode, we speak with Mass Principal Dr. Balsera on what are some of the plans for the upcoming school year. Then to wrap up the episode, we speak with our very own advisors and recap on one of the greatest years that our broadcasting magnet has ever had. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Middle School podcast. Today joining us, we have Dr. Balsera from Miami Arts Studio. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. All right. So um, distance learning, it's been, it's been a ride. It's been a roller coaster, honestly. There's been many upside downs, whether it's been technical difficulties with the different programs, the portal, whatever it is. As distance learning comes to an end of school year, what are some lessons you guys have learned that could possibly improve our instructional practice next year if we do go into distance learning again? Well, I can tell you this. I think one thing distance learning has taught us is how much we all miss the school site. Um, I think that's pretty universal. Um, but I, th- I think what we've learned, if, if we have to continue with this, is ideally we, we would streamline the amount of platforms that we're using in a perfect world. I think one of the big obstacles, one of the big challenges for, for students um, and parents particularly is having to navigate so many different platforms whether it's Edmodo, Remind, there's so many different ones that, that different teachers use that it becomes a little bit tedious to keep track of. Um, obviously, like anything that is new, um, there's always glitches at the beginning, but I think overall, everyone, at least at our school, handled it very well. Uh, I think one of the things from this pandemic, what we've all learned is really patience. We, we've all had to be patient with, with everything, with everything that's been new to us. Um, but if we were to continue, I would hope that we could streamline this and minimize the different platforms so it just makes life easier for everybody just to access um, their work through maybe one or two different platforms. And you said stream, you said streamline there, but which platforms do you think, which platforms do you think have worked best during this time? Um, I know, and, and again, I, I could tell you this as, as a parent, right? Because I'm a parent of two students in the school, so it's, it's a little unique. Um, I really enjoyed the Edmodo, working off the Edmodo, like watching my kids work off the Edmodo. I thought it was easy for me to track. There's also a method for Edmodo for me as a parent to receive reminders, which was very useful. Um, so I, I know that I'm a fan of that, but I, I, I would tell you that that would be something we would probably survey the teachers and the students and get feedback before we would implement anything like that or make some type of decision. Definitely wouldn't be a decision without the feedback of the people that are using it on a daily basis. Now, I know you mentioned that you're a parent of two students at the school. And how would you say that the school handled this whole social distancing thing from your own um, kids' perspectives? Do you think the school did a good job with the social distancing or in distant learning? Or do you think that there was more things that we could have worked on to make the students maybe more engaged or something? So, so yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I can tell you from just the amount of feedback I received, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, 
that's as a principal, I can tell you. I could also tell you, because I have a unique perspective of hearing about how it went at other schools and the difficulty many schools and other students were having. So I, I would say that we handled it better than most. That, that, that I would tell you. Um, what was the other part of the question, Mara? There was two parts of that. Yes. So yeah, so then as far as the teachers are concerned, I, I think what, what, what's happened with, with the whole distance learning is that the first few weeks, I think everyone was excited because it was different. So everybody's like, oh, this is cool. Oh, wow, Zoom. And I think it wore off as the, as you know, we, we got into this whole pandemic. Um, you know, the, as far as creativity is concerned, and I saw some teachers get creative, you're so limited with how you could deliver instruction through Zoom. There's only so many things you could do. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Mr. Reedy, who is one of the most creative people you will meet, um, used different formats to, to kind of his backdrops, one time he was inside a, a, a crystal ball, it was just his head, and the pen was floating. And he had all these different backdrops, which in the beginning, if you, if you tuned into the Zooms, all the kids, everybody was like, oh, this is awesome. But by the second or third time they saw him do that, you know, they lost the excitement, which is natural, which is, a, we all understand that, including Mr. Reedy. So, so we, we, it's definitely limiting um, as far as how much you can engage. You really need the students to be self-motivated, which, at Moss, we're very fortunate because the large, large majority of our kids here are self-motivated. They wanna see good grades, so they are doing their work. And that's what I see. I was looking today at all the different report card grades and overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the kids are doing awesome. I mean, most kids have better grades in the fourth nine weeks than they did the first three nine weeks, right? So that, that I can tell you that for, for a lot of the kids. Um, but that's because of the type of kid we have here at Moss that is just highly motivated and does not want to see anything bad on their on their grade book. Now, as far as getting the students engaged and stuff, I know you said that this wore off on the students after a couple of weeks. Now, let's say if we were to continue social distancing to the next school year, how do you think we could work on this for more of a long-term solution? Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be a, a challenge. And it's not something that we have sat down and met about. I would, I would actually turn the table and meet with student leaders and get their feedback. I would actually even include in that, find some of the students that were completely disconnected and find out why they were so disconnected with the student learning. What was it that turned them off? What was it that just didn't motivate them? Look, we have to also realize that not everyone is, is not everyone's home life is perfect for this type of learning, right? So, so it's, it's an added, stress, if you will, when you add this distance learning. So a lot of different things need to be taken into account. We haven't sat and done that yet. We do have all summer to look at that. And if, and if we do come back to a distance learning model, which I'm hoping we do not, but if we do, um, then, then it's something we, we will definitely seek feedback so that we can launch something that is more productive for the students, especially those that struggled with it. Yeah, of course. And I think it's really great that you guys are trying to accommodate to like each student's life at home and stuff. And I think that's really awesome for you guys. But now I know how we mentioned that we've been talking a lot about distant learning continuing into next school year. But if that isn't the case and we do return under CDC guidelines, do you think the school itself is prepared for all of that? Well, yes, I, I think we will be prepared. Um, I, and again, I think having the type of student that we have 
that has, you know, our students here, and as you know, you guys are students here, our students follow directions. Our students are really good about adhering to the expectations of the school. And in this case, it's really for the well-being of everyone, that everyone follow whatever it is that's in place. Um, so there's different things that the CDC has put out, whether it's uh, one-way hallways, uh, whether it's making sure your masks are on at all time. So th th there are definitely from the bullets that the CDC has initially shared, which we know will change between now and August, um, there are definitely things that, that I know we can implement without a doubt. Um, our school, as you know, is full. We are at capacity. So um, the, the, the biggest challenge for any school really would be um, meeting that six foot distance inside the classroom. So that is a physical um, issue that I know the school system is looking at as we speak. So we're waiting for direction as to what they're coming back with um, so that we can implement it. But that, that of all the guidelines that they shared, that is gonna be the biggest challenge would be the six foot distance inside the classroom. It was said as well um, that the six feet won't be required as long as the kids are wearing masks. Do you agree with that statement or do you think it should still be required as a, a precaution? I'd have to see more information on that, Brian. Like as far as, and, and again, I don't think, I think all of this information in the next two months is gonna be so critical to make final decisions. So obviously we have phase one opening. And when I say opening, I'm talking about in the county, right? So people are starting to go out more, right? And when they go out more, we're wearing masks. We're all, you know, abiding by these guidelines. If over the next two months, we see that these masks are effective and are effective in limiting the spread of this virus, then, then I'm all for it. As, as long as we know for a fact, we're not putting anyone in harm's way. I think the big thing here, and this is for everyone, this is not anything groundbreaking, we do not want to come back to a situation that we're going to make worse. So if not having six feet separation, but the mass is working, then, then let's do it. You know, as long as we can guarantee that everyone is going to be, is going to be safe. And not so much here, because we, we, we also have data that students, yes, while students can contract the virus, you know, it's not necessarily, um, you know, hospitalizing them or, or making them so sick that they require hospitalizations. But what, what, what everyone's afraid of is taking it back to somebody older that might be compromised, grandparent, an older parent, things like that is what I think the biggest fear for everyone. So during this whole distant learning like situation and being at home, who hasn't like gotten enough credit from the school? Like who hasn't been recognized enough? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, if, if you were to ask me one, one, I, I would say, I would say your, your counselors haven't received enough recognition. They do a lot of work for the students that are not engaged, number one, um, a lot to make sure. And they've done a great job reaching out. Um, they've scheduled home visits. We've done home visits for a lot of students just to check up on them, um, make sure everything's okay because they may, may not have been responding. Um, so I think the counselors have been unsung heroes. I think everybody's well aware of the work the teachers are doing, um, but definitely the counselors have, have gone, gone above and beyond to make sure, and this is difficult, right? To make sure that the student's emotional well-being at home is in check. Um, because this can be very depressing for a lot of people, or ha it has been very depressing for a lot of people not to be able to, to get outside their home, um, not, to be, not to be able to, uh, to, to basically have interaction with their friends and their teachers and their school 
and things like that. So I, I would say that's a great question, Ms. Dees. I, I would say the counselors have gotten you know, very little recognition for the amazing work that they've done, especially here at Moss. Okay, so I know you mentioned admin and stuff as being not being well recognized. How do you think the responsibilities of admin have changed throughout all of this? Well, I would say the counselors, not admin. Um, so the counselors are the ones I feel like, you know, definitely deserve major kudos. As far as administration is concerned, um, I can tell you that I've worked every single day since March 13th. I have been here in this building, and I, I can tell you that the work is very different, but the volume is still lots of work because everything now is via email, via Zoom. So there, there are days when I will have literally six or seven Zoom meetings, um, sometimes back to back. So, so the volume of work has not changed. It's just different. It's just a different model now. Um, and we're, we've done, and again, we're very fortunate to have Ms. Ms. Flaherty, Ms. Diaz, and we've really divided the work and it's kind of divide and conquer. Everyone takes a different section and just make sure that we're trying to meet the needs of everyone. Again, there's a lot of questions, especially at the beginning. Um, and we just tried to make sure that we made ourselves available and tried to respond as quickly as possible to any of the questions or concerns. I know that we were, and I know this for a fact, we were probably one of the top schools in getting devices out that Friday before we left we gave out over 150 devices that day alone. Um, once we were in quarantine, I think we've given out maybe, maybe another 40 or 50 um, after that initial Friday. But most schools didn't give out um, any um, devices that Friday. So, so again, administration was on top of that. And, and because of that, this was a lot smoother, honestly. I actually have a question. Since obviously we are like a different kind of school, we're a performing arts school and a big part of like what we do is like shows and like things like that, like with dance theater, like how do you think the magnet teachers are gonna try to like keep on doing that, but like in a different way and just accommodate to like everything that's going on? So so we've had initial conversations about this, Ms. Yeto. Um, as of right now, if you notice in the CDC guidelines, they're saying no field trips, no assemblies. And again, obviously, all of this can change between now and August. Summer camps will be opening up next week. So summer camps are gonna, is going to, those summer camps are going to give us a lot of information as to the way August is going to look. But I wouldn't be surprised, Ms. Yeto, if you were to see concerts um, that would be here at the pack with no audience. It's kind of like what you're hearing about the NBA and the NFL, that they're talking about having games with no fans. Well, we may have concerts where the kids are distanced, right, in the pack, and then we stream it live for everyone to see, but there will be no audience in the pack. I would not be surprised to see that happening for a number of our performances, because at the end of the day, the kids are gonna still wanna perform, right? And obviously, obviously, everyone wants to perform in front of a crowd. I mean, because there's nothing like that energy from a crowd, but this new reality is what it is. So it may require, um, for right now crowdless performances until you know again everything is, is figured out so i wouldn't be surprised if you see that because i know like i said that's already been discussed initially here um and we think it's important for the kids to perform to put together the work because at, at the end of the day everything they're doing in class right in a lot of these magnets especially the performance magnets you guys are preparing for competition and your obviously your announcements which are very important every week but 
these other performance ones are really leading up to their major concerts. So it would be a shame if we lost that. Uh, and I'm sure with everything that's going on, we can deliver that in a way that will, you know, keep people happy and, and keep the students engaged. And going back to um, what Gabby said, have you guys probably thought of maybe alternate seating or things like that? And any of that stuff? Or how can this possibly affect magnets? When you say alternate seating, you're saying for the concerts, Brian? Yeah, look, again, that will be given to us. So those types of guidelines will be given to us. Um, you know, maybe we can open up with very limited seating in the pack. Maybe, you know, as you know, there's about 720 seats in the pack. Maybe we open up and we could only sit, you know, 200 people. And maybe what happens then is we have numerous concerts, right? Instead of having only one or two concerts, maybe we schedule four or five concerts so all the parents can come and see. All of that will be on the table. But a lot of that, basically not a lot of it, all of it will be guided by what the guidelines given to the schools are. We're willing to be creative. We're willing to be, you know, out of the box. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure we follow uh, what's best for the safety of everyone. So, again, you know, I, I know the teachers here. I know the students here would love to perform, like I said, in front of a crowd. But we don't want to be, you know, reckless either. No. So I know we've been discussing like a lot of new adjustments and things. How would you describe possibly the new normal if we do return? Like, how do you plan on visioning that out? So, so I, I, would, I would say that it's going to be interesting. I, that, that without a doubt. I, I, I would envision, um, I, I would envision definitely no large group gatherings. I, I, like, for example, I'm, I'm interested to see how we would do lunch, right? How, how is lunch going to happen? Um, if, if they allow us to open the campus and everyone eat outside, you know, like, you know, do we do that for middle school as well? We've only done it right now for high school, you know? Um, Cause if, if we were to open the outside and open the, you know, maybe broaden the campus some, you know, how would that work? Um, th those are, those are some of the challenges that we're going to have when we return. I'm not worried about the, like the single flow hallway cause we can pull that off. Our kids, like I said, our kids, our kids are awesome. You guys are awesome. They're bright. They're willing to, to contribute to the greater good. So there's some things that will be easy to pull off based on the CDC guidelines. And then there's some that we are going to have to get creative with, uh, like, like a lunchtime, um, even like the concerts, like you guys said. I think in a school like this where you just have assemblies, like concerts and things like that, I think that's going to be our greatest challenge when we come back. Uh, because everything else is going to be very clearly set by the CDC and by the school system whether it's six feet inside the classroom or it's everyone has to have their masks and we have a traditional classroom. Um, all of that, all of those questions will be answered for us. Um, it's just those questions where they give the school a little leeway is where we have to get a little creative. And I know we've been talking about like a lot of changes as well for students. And this is usually, you know, it's a lot on students to be going a lot of back and forth between the school years and stuff. How do you and like administration plan on supporting these students through all these changes? Look, I, I think what one of the things again that we do well here is communication. And I think one of the great, and I'm not talking about communicating from, from administration or from the teachers down to the students. I think the students here have always been given a voice. I think the students here have always, we've always listened to the students. So I think it's just a matter of continuing to do that. Um, you know, obviously we have our rules 
and then kind of seeing what works best for everyone and everyone coming to the table um, and kind of putting in their two cents as to what is going to work best. Um, you know, obviously like, like anything else, we, when feedback is given, there's some feedback that we can implement. There's some feedback that absolutely makes total sense. And there's some that unfortunately, for whatever reason, we cannot do, but it's always a great idea to include the students um, and the students, like I said, many times we don't have to ask them, you know, the students here are great about sharing their opinions and sharing their, the, the information that they think is going to benefit the school. So we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, so I will continue doing that. I will continue listening to the voice of the kids and just seeing kind of, you know, what they see, what they think. And as long as it, it, it goes and it coincides with what we're allowed to do, I think we'd be all for implementing those types of things because definitely change is going to, I mean, August is not going to be like it was before March 13th. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we get to that eventually, whether it's December, January, January of 2021 or later on in the school year, I'm hoping we get to back to our normal. Uh, but August will be a change for everyone, but there's no doubt. And, and again, everything's on the table, Mata, everything from, from arrival, do we arrive, you know, do we uh, tell kids, okay, if you're in building four, you're gonna arrive through here. If you're in building three first period, you have to arrive through here so that even the entrance is limited, right? So we don't have, you know, 800 kids coming in through one particular entrance. You know, so all of that will be on the table. Um, and again, we, we will make sure to include everybody when those decisions are made. And, and how should us as students prepare for the upcoming school year with all its uncertainties? Look, I think the same way we, we prepared for, for distance learning, I think we all have to be patient. We all have to be patient. We all have to think of, you know, and this is hard, but we all have to think of the greater good. We all have to think that, you know, whatever we do and however we do it, Hold on. Whatever we do and however we do it is is in the best interest of our society. Because it literally is that's not just the best interest of our school in this case. It is the best interest of society as a whole because we're a school next year with close to eighteen hundred kids. So by no stretch of the imagination are we a small school. Um so Again, you know, as, as long as everyone has that mentality, and again, we're fortunate to have the kind of students that we do have, you know, I, I think we're going to be very successful in implementing whatever it is um, that, that is given to us and that we come up with. And us being the eighth grade class, we're obviously really excited about the caravan that was announced for us coming this Friday. So we want to know if you could give us any sneak peeks to what's to come for us. <laughs> So, so yeah, so that it should be fun. Um, we're, we're, we're definitely excited about that caravan. We're also hoping, again, depending on what happens, to have something special for the ninth grade class. You know, maybe like a, a freshman formal, if you will, at the beginning of next year. Again, depending on <laughs> all these guidelines, right? But if we've never had a freshman formal, which could have replaced the eighth grade dinner dance, those are things that we were discussing. So there's a little bit of a preview. Uh, for something coming up. And as far as Friday is concerned, just expect a lot of your teachers. I can tell you this, and, and again, I, I, I sound like a broken record, but we're very fortunate here at Moss. We're going to have so many teachers out there that just love you guys that have RSVP that want to see you guys. So a lot of the eighth grade teachers expect to see them out there in the loop, um, just cheering you guys on, just happy that you're entering high school. Um, over, I think it's 90, close to 90% of the eighth graders are staying with us. So we are extremely excited about that. Actually, it's the largest percentage of eighth graders that are staying for high school. 
We have very few kids from the outside coming in. Um, so we're, we're beyond excited about that because it's all about really keeping our kids. We want that culture that we talk about here at school to stay. We don't want that culture to go anywhere else. So it should be fun. It should be a big celebration. And again, the most important thing for us is just to see your faces again. Because every time we've had anything like that, just to see the students for us, is just motivation and gets us excited for hopefully August and it, you know, your return to school. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of information being like released in the summer for like parents and students. So they are like informed on everything that's going on and the decisions that are being made. So what like social media platform or app do you think that parents and students should be most like worried about so you guys can release most of your information through there? So thank you for asking that question, actually. So social media, our Instagram is by far our most active social media. I think we have over, or close to 5,000 followers. Um, and I think most of our parents and students are on there. So that's number one. We also, are, we also here have every parent's email. We actually have a database that we send out emails directly to parents. So if parents are not receiving emails from the school, they need to reach out to us and, and give us the most updated email that they have. But those are two easy ways and, and the most efficient and effective ways that we communicate with parents. Of course, we have the reminds. We have all these other tools, if you will. But the easiest way has been email and our Instagram account. Uh, we, all, we always do those phone calls. But unfortunately, parents get so bombarded with phone calls from the school system and the schools many times, based on the reports, a lot of them don't even let the phone call go through. Um, cause we get the reports of how many people hang up within the first five seconds. Um, so I think Instagram and again, if parents are not receiving email, they need to let us know to update their email, but those are two definite easy ways for us to communicate. And like you said, Gabby, we will be sending out lots of information. This will be the summer where we will not be as disconnected as we normally are during the summer where, you know, our parents and students don't want to hear from the school during the summer. And we understand that and we respect that. But this is one summer I think everyone does want to stay connected because it's going to be very important for what August will look like. I know I will definitely want to know like everything that's going on. So I'll stay connected with that. For sure. And going back to social media, like you were speaking, are there any things that on social media that you, or that you like activities? I know last year you guys did Where's Mr. Gonzalez. <laughs> are there any things like that that you guys plan to do this year? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. Mr. Meter and I have been brainstorming. We have a, a, other people involved. Obviously, we always do Where's Moss. You know, everybody throws up the Moss sign from wherever they're at. There's going to be a lot less traveling this summer, obviously. Um, so Mr. Meter is going to come up with something creative um, in the next week or so to share. But we, we will have something to do just to, again, it's just nice to see everybody in the summer. It's a nice way to engage people and keep people connected to their school. Um, you know, one thing the school does well is, is kind of, you know, put the spotlight on the students, which is why we use our social media, really. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, Brian, we would hope in the next week to launch another campaign, if you will, for the summer. That should be fun. So going back to earlier in the interview, you said how the virus doesn't affect us students as much as it affects like adults. But unfortunately, there's the new inflammatory syndrome disease. So what can you tell us about that? Right. So I know that I know that the, you're talking about the Kawasaki. The Ka I think it's called the Kawasaki um, syndrome. Yeah. So obviously that's that's something very new now that's come out um, that I think they're still gathering information. And I think that is going to be part of the CDC guidelines. Um, 
I think these next few weeks going into the next month is, is going to be vital um, for us as far as what the opening is going to look like. And I'm sure they're going to take that into account. I know that as of two weeks ago, I believe there were zero reported deaths of anyone under the age of 25 in the state of Florida. Um, and I don't know if that's changed in the last couple of weeks because I haven't seen the updated report. Um, but I know that that was, that was shared as part of, um, you know, schools and summer camps because summer camps are opening obviously with, with guidelines, but summer camps are opening next week. And, and again, I am positive that the school system, that the CDC, everyone will look to these summer camps to see how things are handled and to see what happens with the virus, specifically the one that you're talking about that, that inflicts uh, younger, younger kids um, and see how that goes. Well, I mean, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. It's the Action Learn Finale podcast. Um, so, I mean, I guess until next year. Proud of you guys. Proud of all of you. You guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. And thank you for allowing me to be part of this and sharing important information with our community. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, like we spoke about with Dr. B, this year has been full of many ups and downs. So why don't we share our best memories? Mara, why don't you go first? So my favorite memory of this entire eighth grade year definitely has to be all the lunches we spent in the studio and stuff. I always just had so much fun talking to Dearmas, Gonzalez, and Rodriguez. And honestly, a lot of the time, it brightened my day when I was having a stressful one. And I just wanted to thank them for letting us eat there and always warming up our food. And honestly, I <laughs> probably wouldn't have made it through half of eighth grade if we weren't able to do that. One of my favorite memories from this year has have to have been journalism day because that day was just so much fun going to all the seminars, learning these new tactics and techniques with my friends. And we had lunch together. And at the end of the day, we also had the award ceremony where my team won first place for news feature in our category. So that was really fun and really exciting. And I'll never forget it. My favorite memory from eighth grade would probably have to be staying after school every day. Mara, Tanya, Brian, Emily, and I would usually stay after school for hours, either working on a broadcasting project, in the studio, in the equipment room, or even just talking to the teachers. This year, I grew such a special bond to each of the teachers to the point where I could come to them about anything. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to gain so much trust with these teachers. And I also got so close to my broadcasting friends this year. And I'm so thankful for that. And I hope that we can create more broadcasting memories in high school. My favorite memory this year definitely has to be creating a closer bond with my magnet teachers and them just teaching me so many lessons that I definitely needed to learn. So it was just fun spending extra time with them this year. And also, I was in a new class with different people this year, so I got to create different groups, and it wasn't like I was working with my normal group, so it kind of taught me to like get out of my shell a little bit, and it was just fun having new experiences. I have a variety of favorite memories from this year, but I can't just choose one. So before we go on to our interview with our advisors, I want to play these special messages for you all. Congratulations, Mara. We're so happy you made it through the eighth grade. Hi, honey. I'm very proud of you. Congratulations. You're going to be a high schooler. Oh, yes. 
Tanya, congratulations on completing middle school. We are so proud of you and your accomplishments. Can't wait to see all the exciting things you'll do in high school. Love you. Gabby, we, we love, love you and we're, we're proud, proud of, you. of you. Always reach for the stars. You the best. Maya, congratulations on your middle school promotion. We couldn't be more proud of you, baby. We love you. We love you, mom and dad. Hey guys, welcome back to the Middle School Quarantine Podcast. Joining us today, we have Mr. Rodriguez, Mr. Aramas, and Mr. Gonzalez, all from Miami Art Studio. Welcome. Hey. Hi. Hey, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. All right, so this year we've had many ups and downs. We've had many challenges to overcome, especially through all this distance learning and all that stuff. But what has been your biggest struggle and what has been that, that's, that main obstacle that you guys have faced? Specific to distance learning, right? It, it's up to you guys. It could be distance learning or... Um, I think it's funny that you ask about what struggle, what struggles we faced. Um, because I don't know about Mr. R, Mr. Go, but definitely it felt like this year was, this academic school year was shaping up to be like our best one yet. We finally had our have our broadcasting suite. We were able to co-teach. We were doing workshops. It was the first time that the three of us were able to plan together the summer before and like implement different things that we had discussed. So for me, everything was really like coming together for the first time in an awesome way, like in the way that we had originally dreamed it was going to be <laughs> when uh, Mr. Rodriguez had come on board and we had originally talked about things. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and, um, for me, distance learning, thankfully, uh, we're blessed and privileged enough that the vast majority of our students have technology at home. So leaning into Google Classroom more than we already were and reminding all of that that was all doable. What I found difficult was trying to, on Zoom and otherwise, trying to motivate students that really benefited from that one-to-one -one in person contact or leaned heavily upon their team members for support. That was the most, for me anyway. Uh, most difficult part, especially with the expectations of like continuing to do a show. So that was really difficult uh, without the added equipment and without that in-person support. No, definitely. Uh, even to piggyback off of what you're saying, um, I mean, we are, like you said, we are very blessed that our kids for the most part have access to nece the necessary technology to be able uh, to learn remotely. Um, however, it is one of those things where even as teachers, you know, part of what we love doing is we love that person, you know, in-person interaction with our students. So even keeping ourselves uh, motivated uh, to continue in this subject and teaching the subject remotely was also a challenge, um, given that, you know, part of the charm is being able to handle the equipment, is being, uh, you know, collaborative, working in teams. And, you know, the fact that you have to kind of just find an alternative means to collaborate, that was a big challenge. Um, 
but I will say this, it really, what it did teach me, you really saw or you got an idea as to who were the students that thrived or loved this program so much just based on the product that a lot of these kids were producing on a week to week basis. Because again, you know, when you do projects for us in school, a lot of times we can extend, you know, days, sometimes it'll be take two weeks versus what we were doing remotely. Um, the assignments were, you know, the window of, of submission was a week's time. And, you know, some kids thrived with that and some kids didn't. So you really got a handle as to which kids, you know, really do enjoy broadcasting and really do enjoy TV production as a whole um, from, every, from every angle, pun intended. I think for me, uh, pretty much what the Armas and Rodriguez said, but to add another, another layer on top of my situation would be since I'm a new teacher, this is my second year uh, teaching. Well, being a full-time teacher, it added a layer of something like, as the Armas said, we're, I will, we were finally getting used to it. Um, last year was a big learning experience for me. Uh, getting my feet wet with grading and lesson planning every week, trying my best to keep up with everything, with having seven classes, all that stuff. And then this year, I had a little bit of experience that I got to um, use in my classes uh, when we were getting ready for competition and the projects that the kids were doing. I was able to give more important feedback because I had a little bit, again, experience under my belt. And then boom, everything that I had planned, everything that we had planned, when it was finally getting to reach the, the, the climax, which was us, like, for example, getting ready to, to come into the ending sequence of the yearbook, for example, that it was the last month, and we were going to start submitting pages. We were finally going to go to competitions in Washington. All that stuff, it was finally getting to that point, and then it kind of all just came crashing down, and it threw us into this chaotic reality of, okay, what do we do now? And imagine if it's difficult for experienced educators like the Armas and Rodriguez and people who've been teaching for 20 years. If it was difficult for them, imagine for a new teacher, like, okay, like, how do I get used to this reality now? So for me, the hardest part was what Rodriguez said was not being in contact with my students. But again, we were so blessed to be somewhere where the kids are really active and, and interacting with one, not only with us, but with one another, they're keeping up. The level three and level four students are so, they love the program so much that they're actually producing episodes. The level one and two students are actually going above and beyond their means to, to produce great work. But then you have kind of the ones that, I wouldn't say take advantage, but kind of fall through the cracks because of this, right? They do the bare minimum. And those are the, that was like the hardest part for me of like, how do I reach? Because before I, I used to be able to go face to face with these people. Now it was like, how do I reach these kids that I don't have access to so readily because they're not right in front of my face, all right? So finding a way to reach them. And, and I didn't reach all of them because they haven't answered, they haven't picked up a, a call or email. So that was the hardest part for me. And it's still hard right now and we're about to end the school year, you know what I mean? It, 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 it kind of makes me sad that that they weren't there when when everybody kind of separated because I feel like as a as a magnet we kind of build that community of we're here we're active always you get me so it's kind of sad that they didn't that they didn't live up but it also 
on the other hand, with what Rodriguez was saying, there were some that were kind of on the other side of the fence while we were there in person, that they were kind of reserved and they weren't so active. And then when this whole quarantine thing happened, they actually blossomed and they actually got involved and they actually went above and beyond to be part of the magnet, which was also very refreshing and surprising because I was not expecting that. So I know you guys mentioned all of you a lot how like motivation was a hard thing to find between students and stuff. Now let's say if um, this distant learning was to continue next year, how would you guys, um, what are solutions you guys were thinking of to get students more motivated for the ones that really weren't? Good question. Um, well, quite frankly, I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I know Gonzalez and Darmish were very good with Zooming with their students. I tried it for two weeks. I didn't get as great of a response that I wanted, but I think moving forward with more prepping time, I would actually make Zooming a bigger part of my curriculum if this were to extend to next year. And the reason why is because I think allowing students an active platform to discuss ideas, um, to go over their plans for anything, for any product, a video product, a short film, a feature, a podcast, I think it's it kind of recreates the, the illusion of being in a classroom, even though obviously we're all in the comfort of our own homes, uh, you know, communicating digitally. But I think making um, Zoom meetings a protocol, I think weekly and a consistent protocol is something that I would implement. And I think it will get some of those kids to actually be more engaged um, because they technically have to, they have to show up. Agreed. For me, looking back on this time in quarantine and also something that I was doing uh, because this was the first year that we even had levels in high school. So, or do we have it? No, we had it last year. Hello. Right. Yeah. So this was the second year, but I think this was the first year that I had one of the levels. Right. Yeah. So I know for me going into level three already, like we were kind of playing around and trying something new with the curriculum. And something that I experienced with level three was um, the thing that was really successful was doing like debriefs, kind of like data chats, like how you would do in your core, but like debriefing with each of the groups and having like a scheduled time where they knew every single week they were accountable, that they knew that that was our time carved out and that it didn't matter who came up to me. Like that was our time. It was sacred. You have a question, mm, figure it out or hold it, right? Um, so I think if we were to continue online for next year, I think I would kind of want to bring that like small group feeling to the Zoom chats because as much as obviously I would have wanted everyone to come to the Zooms, not everybody did, um, even with my social studies classes as well, the Holocaust studies and world religions. So um, I think it just, it's more beneficial that way also like with discussions and allowing people the freedom to talk and not just the freedom, but uh, also that comfort level that comes with talking in a small group. They don't feel the pressure of speaking in front of, you know, 20 something of your peers, right? And sharing your own personal feelings and what's going on and what's working and what's not. Because it is scary to admit, hey, this is my area of weakness. I need help with this, you know, and then talking about how we can improve that and also celebrating the successes as well um, with the team. I really. I think that that would be something that I would carry forth uh, moving forward if we were to continue in, in distance learning, kind of like adapting 
the how I use Zoom. Yeah, exactly what the army says. I think Zooming now is kind of rough because since you have to cater to your whole class, which is 30 plus kids, you're going to have a lot of missing people. So you're not going to have entire teams present to receive the the lesson or to receive the feedback that they need to hear. And because that's the case, a lot of times people don't communicate effectively. So if you let's say it's like, it's you guys, so you have as out of a team of five people, only two show up. And so you tell, hey, Mara, can you pass this on to Brian who wasn't able to be here today? And because you have your own things and you, and you get me that you have to take care of, that might not be a priority for you. So then it's, I'm expecting, like, I'm trusting you to pass that on. So it might not get back to Brian. So it, it kind of becomes a problem that doesn't get addressed. Whereas if we do what the Army is saying, which is what, what I would do as well, is limit the amount of whole class Zoom meetings and just focus on the, the groups, right? Four people, five people. And then that way we could have, again, like you were saying, honest discussions about what's going on. Where do you feel like you're lacking? What can we do to fix it? Where do we go from here? That sort of stuff. Because again, it's what she's saying. They're going to feel more comfortable opening up because they're surrounded by people they trust instead of by in a class of 30. You, I mean, you not really you know everybody, but you're not going to be close to anybody or feel comfortable sharing in front of everybody. Which you get, how many times have we been there asking who has a question? Nobody asks a question, but as soon as, as, soon as you end the Zoom meeting, you get 75 reminds, right? Like, hey, what did you mean by this? Or what do you mean by that? So I think, yeah, focusing definitely on the smaller groups is going to yield a lot more interaction, a lot more, uh, not more, but better products and better uh, uh, just cohesiveness in the class. So if distant learning has to be continued next year or like partially next year, like one day, yes, one day, like people don't go to school and one day they do, what's a technique that you're definitely going to like implement for next year? Hmm. Well, I will say this. I think, um, I think this caught a lot of people by surprise. So the fact that everyone had to jump on Zoom and everyone had to establish, we were, I mean, we were very fortunate enough that we established the Google Classroom early on in the year. So it wasn't something that we had to train our kids like in two days to figure out because they already were trained in it since early on. But you had teachers that were really establishing platforms that they didn't have, you know, from the get-go. So a lot of, I think what ended up happening, sometimes some students, you know, were quick to jump on board while other students were not. And I think it's because it just happened so quickly that we didn't have time or students and teachers did not have time to really acclimate to the new normal. I think if this were to extend past summer break into next year, at that point, we're going to have to accept this as a potential new normal, in which case, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to have to be more stringent with the rules that we apply for our digital classroom. Um, so, you know, it's as teachers, Jarmis, Gonzalez, and myself, we've all, we've all been trained in classroom management. That's an actual class in the university. In physical classroom management, we've never been taught virtual classroom management. So that's actually something that we would have to probably learn to gauge and tweak and, and, and you know, just figure out to see how we would adapt our classroom management skills to an actual virtual platform. Are the things that you would, you would not allow fly in a real classroom also apply to the virtual one? 
Um, if a kid wants to join the Zoom meeting with his or her dog, okay. I mean, will you show up to, to class with your own dog? Like those are all things that you have. Sorry, those are all that, that actually did happen <laughs> a couple of times. Um, so feel attacked personally. I mean, <laughs> but but yeah, I think that's ultimately um, what's going to end up happening is that next year, hopefully, te teachers and students would realize that this is something that we would have to, we have to really take more seriously, and it's not just you know a transient protocol, something that's going to easily just you know be swept under the rug. Now it's something that we have to take more seriously. Yeah, I feel like um, because I have a background as a social studies teacher. Um, there was something that they would always impress upon us to do digital citizenship and definitely like Mr. Rodriguez was saying, um, creating those stringent rules and creating those protocols that we typically do in a physical classroom, but just applying them to how uh, we would use it in a digital setting. That would be paramount for everybody, no matter their subject area. Yeah, I mean, if the question was, what will we do for sure next year, right? Yeah, so it's like, like they were saying, it's just now because it's not such, like Rodriguez was saying, it's not such a, a, a novel thing. It's not so new anymore. We have to establish what is expected of, of ourselves as professionals and of you guys as students, right? I think right now everybody us and the district and everybody understand that we saw being very um, flexible but i think come next year if that is the new normal if that's what it, we're meant to go forward teaching online or teaching in school half and half whatever it is i think new expectations will be placed on us as again as professionals and u.s students of like what is what you have to do to to be proactive and to be productive right because again like Rodriguez was saying, or like about the dog, or maybe like showing up to to class to a Zoom meeting while you're still in bed, right? Not to attack anyone, but that's not professional. Or like being in your PJs, like like what is going to be expected of you guys? What what is going to be the, of the real reality of going forward online teaching? And what's going to be okay? And then is it going to differ by individual or by each teacher, or is it something that's going to be uniform across the whole school? or across the district. So if I was to say I was, I'll do some, like one for sure thing that I'll do next year would be kind of make rules that I will make sure to apply in class and to make sure that they are being followed, right? Whatever it is that is expected of me as a professional. And I'll just make sure that those rules are followed because again, at the end of the day, they're being put into place for a reason. Well, really quickly go, I mean, um, so even say an example, there's an option or a tool on Zoom that's pretty awesome, which is the raising your hand tool. And unfortunately, because it's something that was so new and so fresh, it was hard, at least for me when I started Zooming, to kind of instruct the class on how to use that tool. So oftentimes, something that I would never allow in, in my physical classroom, which is a student, you know, jump into another conversation without raising their hand or interrupt the student while they're talking, it tended to happen in the virtual classroom and I felt very, very, I felt like my hands were tied. I didn't know how to address it right off the bat because at that point I understand maybe the student's frustration because they probably didn't know the proper protocol. Yeah, they might be raising their hand, but they might be in a little square that I can't see in my immediate vicinity. So making sure to establish a little raising your hand tool in the chat box or in the participant box, I think is gonna be very essential in making sure that we still honor those 
courtesy, you know, those, those acts of courtesy that we instill in the physical classroom, just trying to find a way to adapt and translate them into the virtual one. Okay, so how do you guys feel that you handled the whole like distance learning thing? Like, are there things you could go back and redo or do you guys think like you did everything like, good? Um, very good question. I will say this, I think something that we had discussed once this quarantine happened or hit was that we were so grateful that we had established a Google Classroom for the first time ever this past year <laughs> because we realized now how essential that was in us being able to facilitate all of the workload that we did towards students. But if I'm gonna speak personally to myself, I'm someone, I love that interaction with the students and I love being able to be there for my students. I do feel though, and this is me you know, getting personal, I do feel like I let them down on a virtual standpoint because I, it's hard for me to recreate that level of, I guess, of empowerment through a digital platform. I need to be there in the physical classroom. But I feel like something that I will have to do and with more time, what I want to do is I want to see how I can kind of um, grab that same energy that I have when I'm there in the physical classroom and see how I can adapt it for a virtual setting. Because once again, I kind of, I stopped Zooming with my students after week two just because I felt it wasn't beneficial for me. But when, I, when I've heard of the success that both Darmis and Gonzalez had with their students through Zoom, I realized I'm like, okay, but they're doing it in a very, very different way and in a better way than I, I had initially thought to do. So um, I think ultimately, you know, I think from the facilitating standpoint, I think we were lucky that we all had the same um, software or same program to facilitate work to the students. From a personal standpoint, I, I wanted, I should have communicated better with my students throughout the course of this quarantine. Um, I agree with Mr. Rodriguez. Definitely, I'm glad that we had set up Google Classroom. Google Classroom worked out really, really well, especially since a lot of our projects do tend to be bigger files. So using Google Drive and using all these different tools really helped us out. And I feel like every year we had been experimenting with different tools. And this year, thankfully, it just so happened that this occurred the year that we had the best um, LMS and pretty much the best setup. I do agree also with Rodriguez, and I know you said it like as a personal note, but for me, I feel like I fell short too, just because there were certain students that I know, like I would send them personal reminds to check up because I knew certain students really needed that follow-up. And they really benefit from the in-person check-ins and the in-person pulling to the side and let's talk about this and what happened and following up or um, for some students, it's just hard because of the fact that we have, I know personally I have over 130 kids and then remembering everyone's home situation and what's going on. And sometimes, like I felt bad, one student was like, oh, this is gonna be late um, because my great grandmother recently passed away or just suddenly passed away. So I was like, oh my gosh, of course, get back to me, whatever. And then I didn't follow up with her for a week and a half. And I felt super guilty about that because I know in real life, I would have immediately followed up. And I was like, how could I have forgotten that? Oh my God, but it's just, it became so overwhelming checking in with everyone else. And it was almost like, for me anyway, and like my own personal, just how my brain works, I know for me, 
my job, I put a lot of um, myself into it. And I know that I tie a lot of like my own self-worth, probably more than I should, <laughs> to my job and like how I interact uh, with my students. And a lot of times I felt like I knew more about what was going on at home with students than I did with my own family members or that I looked forward to having, you know, publication meetings during quarantine or I know that I continued my my plan club, we continued meeting just for like social emotional support, just because it was like a lot of people in the, in the club, just, they were home alone for the greater part of the day, you know, and they would literally like sit and eat with us as we met together. So while I feel like there were definitely things that I, that worked in our favor for this year with the technology, there were other things that I know this summer I want to research and figure out, okay, was there a better way that I can handle that situation so that it doesn't happen again? Because not only is that okay, been an embarrassing moment, but what if something greater had happened and he didn't know? And then who do I contact and what do we do? It just, it's hard because we're, we were in a situation where we were literally building the plane as we're flying, you know, like just this whole distance learning thing. And, and then having to do those other parts of your job as a teacher that they don't teach you about in school, the social emotional parts <laughs> um, that are talked about, but there's no real class for that. And it's, that's a life lesson kind of thing. Um, yeah, agree 100%. Google Classroom, Lifesaver, Real Talk. Um, I don't even know, because even when we got taught how to use Teams, it was still very like on the fly. It was something that we were expected to implement right then and there. So it would have been a it would have been a mission to kind of like not only teach myself and get comfortable with that platform myself, but how do I not even the seventh graders? How do I teach the sixth graders to log in to do all this stuff? You got me. So I'm so I'm so thankful and grateful for Google Classroom and the fact that we've been using that platform since the beginning of the year. And even then, kids still had problems with it. So I, couldn't, I can't even imagine using a brand new platform like some other teachers did. Um, personally, how I handled it, I, much like Rodriguez and like the Armist, it's, it's been rough. Not, again, like we we honestly do love you guys. Like we honestly do love the students. And it's like missing like one of, not to say that, how do I put this? Like not to say that we're friends because obviously like we're in a position of authority or, or whatever it is, but it's like you miss that part of your day of those interactions, those conversations that you have with your students. And that was like the most difficult part for me because like seeing them come in and smiling just brightens up my day having those conversations, checking in on people, right? Like, well, hey, what's going on? I heard this happen, I heard that happen, right? That, that was gone. And even you could have Zooms, but again, Zooms are so impersonal. You, and then even kids that I have like really strong reports with, you, like, you try to have that through Zoom and it's missing, right? It's not there because again, it's like there's, 30 other people in there with you or if it's a small group they still it's like you're removed from the environment where 
that kind of interaction was okay, where they felt comfortable opening up with you, right? For whatever reason. So again, that disconnect was really rough with me, with like on me. Like when I would get into Zooms with some kids, like with whole classes, and I'll, I'll like call out like specific kids. And then I'll, I'll like sp kids that I would have like 10 minute conversations with in school, like say, hey, Mr. Gonzalez, and that was it. So I was like, okay. And I understand why that is, right? So that was really rough for me. And not, I mean, and I, and, I, and I would even guess for them because when I speak to them, they would say, oh no, we just want to get back. We want to be with the teachers or we want to be, you know, around our friends again. But that was the hardest part. And again, like Mr. R says, like, I felt like I, I could have done more. I could have had more Zooms. I could have had longer Zooms, maybe. But even then, when I had a Zoom, when I had, like, the, the kids show up, i get through everything I had to say, and I'd open it up to have conversations or whatever, and just everybody would just sit there quietly. So it's like I could go in, in there with the with – the, with the mindset of having an hour long Zoom, but if no one talks for 40 minutes of it, what's the point? You get what I'm saying? It's not gonna happen. So that was the hardest part. That was hard. And, and going back to when you mentioned the bond and all that stuff, I feel like we're just like Moss News overall or Magnet, we're just, we're like a family. like. We, we could open up to you guys about anything. Like, you guys are there at any time that we need you guys. I don't know. It's, it's, been, a, it's, been, a, it's been an interesting, very, very roller coaster year. Yeah. It, it honestly has. Like you guys said, um, you guys definitely had a lot planned going into this year because we had a new space. We had so much new opportunities for us. So going back into a new year, hopefully in August, how do you think you guys are going to have to adjust to like everything you guys wanted to do that you didn't get to do um, with CDC guidelines in place? Well, that's, that's a good question, especially, um, I will say this, I think the, the groups that are really going to, I mean, everyone's going to struggle because this is going to be, everyone's going to have to acclimate to the new normal, but we are extremely collaborative. We are, you guys work in teams, I would say 90% of your school year. So, you know, to make sure that you guys are practicing safe social distancing habits. Okay, great. But how does that look like when you're walking with your crew to get a story and an interview, how is that going to manifest when you put it into practice? So right now, even in this, the first thing we talked about was part of the charm of being in a broadcasting magnet is that you guys have been taught how to check out equipment, how to use the equipment. You guys are let out into the field to get your stories during the school day. How are we going to literally tape, tape, taper that back? You guys are home alone or with your families. You're not with your teammates. How are you guys going to produce to that same capacity without the necessary resources at your disposal? So that's what I see as being a challenge. You look at theater. I mean, yeah, you can have a, a, a one-man or one-woman show, but ultimately, most of the productions at our school are collaborative. A bunch of people on stage at the same time. How is that? How are social distancing practices going to be applicable in magnets and programs that require students to engage with each other? And that, you know, I, I guess that's the biggest uh, qualm or uh, challenge I see, especially for magnet school like ours, where most of the magnet programs and most of the activities are 
collaborate. And even on that art, like, what are the CDC gu guidelines going to look like? Exactly. <laughs> like, we don't even know what that's going to be. They could be very relaxed or they could be very stringent and, and specific to, again, to make our life as a magnet really difficult, right? You're right. I don't know. I just, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I just, I, I, to me, I know when they were being released, even, what was it, when they first started releasing the CDC guidelines and publishing things, like on the morning news shows and on Twitter and things like that, I remember texting my friends, because um, one of my best friends is a speech pathologist, and then um, another one of my friends, she's in, actually, she's in law school right now. Um, so we were talking back and forth and she's been working with different labor unions and migrant workers up in New York. And it's just, I, I just truly do not know what that could even look like. And then that'll completely shift, right? Depending on what model they choose to enact. Because as it is, our classes as electives, how those rules work as far as, um, like class size for electives, that's, class size is, was created to help manage core, core subject areas. That's, you know, to help you in your language arts classes and your social studies and your science and your math. But when it comes to electives, that's where students come together to collaborate and to work with one another. That's very difficult to do if you have to be six feet apart and only half of you are there. We have no, as it is, up until the leveling, we had no control over who was in what period with what person, right? And I know that's something that we experienced in eighth grade. Um, a, lot of, a lot of you guys specifically here, you know, you guys were separated by periods. So thankfully, you all were lucky enough to have the time and were able to collaborate and work together after school, but not everybody has that luxury. So it was kind of like, you were limited by your circumstances. We don't have, we won't have control of who will be allowed to come in if we do the one day on, one day off. And then that'll dramatically change what type of products, you know, that you'll create. Just nerve wracking. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. So I know we've been talking a lot about how, you know, it's been different for you guys. And I know you three, most of you co-teach with each other. How is that co-teaching? How has that been different for you guys? And how have you has how have you guys had to handle that? I'm actually I'm glad you bring that up. I will say this. I think it's a testament to how close we have gotten, the three of us, throughout the course of the last two years being a team. Um, because we actually make it a point, we made it a point to have Zoom sessions, the three of us, and it's, it's the best because we actually look forward to having those trio Zoom sessions where we can talk about what our plans are. So believe it or not, it's kind of, it's, it is the equivalent of us having lunch in the equipment room or having lunch in the classroom and just discussing the future of the magnet together, what we're gonna be doing for competition, auditions. Um, I, just, we still do that just again through a virtual platform, but we have to be mindful because at the end of the day, when you have three people sharing or in the same building, it is easier to just kind of like, hold someone up to, you know, if we're going to meet at this time, we're going to meet at this time. When it's digital, your lives get in the way, okay? That being said, when you are virtual, the three of us have our own separate lives. We have our families, we have our friends, we have commitments. So it's, 
one of those things that making sure that we can kind of make time for each other um, to make sure that the needs of the magnet are met. That that's become a challenge, but we but we've made it work, and we've again we look, we actually look forward to collaborating with each other, albeit a digital platform versus in person. All right. So um, the question was, how do we deal with uh, co-teaching? When before I could just literally walk three miles to the pack from 4201. Um, right now it's a little, it's a little more difficult because since I had planning my seventh and eighth period when the Armas and Rodriguez had their level three and level four classes, I could just kind of like uh, stroll in. And then if let's say the Armas was watching that week's episode with them, I'd be more than welcome to get feedback. Same thing with Rodriguez, right? When they were shooting ideas, they were like pop in, give feedback, say a couple things, right? Now it's more of a, a kind of like, or even with you guys with the whole podcasting thing, right? I give my feedback to the Armas when before I would, I could just kind of just, hey, yo, Brian, listen, this is what's going on. Hey, Mara. Now it's more of a, listen, pass, the, pass on the message. It's, it's less organic. It's more kind of like, um, what's that game? Like a game of telephone, which is you kind of just pass the message around. It still works, but it's not, it loses again. What we keep coming back to is losing that personal touch. And it's, and again, it's, it's literally what Rodrigo said. It is a testament to the relationship that we've built, that we still stay in contact. We still, even when we have like Zooms, we, we take care of business and then we stay on for an hour later, just, talking about life, kind of uh, talking, just kind of just having conversations about everything else that's not work, right? Just, again, just building that relationship, edifying one another, right? Which I think is so important that the fellowship that between the three of us is very important. And, and again, it's just, it shows through what we've done, especially with you guys, right? The, the fact that when we all go in, to school it's kind of like it's a it's a it's a team that sh that is united that we're all headed we all know where we're headed we're all going the same place so i, I it's changed in the way that we deliver things and that we collaborate but it hasn't changed the quality of the co the collaboration i would say agreed a thousand percent the delivery the method of delivery may be different, but we still collaborate just as much. Um, if not, even more so. I know I'm more annoying now when watching you. Thanks. <laughs> I text more in the group chat than I did maybe before. <laughs> but it's welcome though. It's welcome. Now I know you guys have like a big emotional investment into all the students and stuff. How would you say throughout this whole distant learning? it's taken probably like an emotional toll on you guys. How could you describe that for us? When you say emotional, what do you mean? What do you mean? Can you elaborate that a little bit? Like how has being apart from your students affected like the emotional attachments you have with them and how has it like, you know, taken a toll on you yourself? Very good question. Okay. Um, well, something I had mentioned to 
um, Go and Dearmis was that, you know, the moment that quarantine hit was about the same time that our year kind of like, that's when our year is the craziest. So we were already bracing ourselves in the best way because we love what we do, but we were already bracing ourselves for what was going to be the next set of crazy months. <laughs> Competition, multimedia night. It's a, it's a lot of expectations from students, from their parents, from administration. And with that comes also added levels of stress from the students. So, you know, trying to make sure that all of that stays afloat while also being mentors and facilitating for our kids to make sure that they don't lose their heads. Um, all of that, you know. So when you're forced into quarantine, that's it. There's no more competition, no more standard events. And it's kind of like, okay. So all of those things that would ultimately trigger an emotional response in our students that we would have to henceforth come forward and be there for our kids has kind of taken a backseat. So now we have to kind of, you know, be there on a different level. Now other things are being stirred. You have kids who don't, you know, want to be home because they might not get along with their families or they might not get along with a sibling or whereas school afforded them an outlet or an escape. Now they're being, you know, pinned back into a, a, a you know, a setting where maybe they're not their happiest. So now what would have manifested as stress as a result of, oh, a competition piece being not submitted on time now manifests as, I, I don't know how I'm going to keep my, my act together during this time. So now it's cool. It, it, I feel like the emotional investment is still there. We still care for our kids, but it's, it's just changed. It's different um, because of the circumstances that we're in. Some kids have really thrived in quarantine and are doing very well. And some kids, this has not been good for them. This has not been good for them. And they needed someone to hear them out. And they needed, and sometimes that is their teacher. So, you know, I know the three of us have been there for students who have been struggling throughout these times. And that's very important because quite frankly, part of the reason why we are even teachers to begin with is not so much, you know, because we love hearing our own voices. We don't, you know, yeah, we love giving classes and we love facilitating. But a big part of that is also emotionally engaging with our kids letting them know that we got them because sometimes you know that added support throughout their day is sometimes what could change their life it is ultimately what can also affect them moving forward so it is important you know it has been important to maintain that it has changed it has changed um because obviously our climate has changed as well um for me so the question was how have we dealt with the separation from our students, right? That was the question? Okay. <laughs> so, like I was saying, I don't think the relationships change. I think what changes is the needs of the students, right? So when, like he was saying before, it was the stress of producing, now it becomes a stress of dealing kind of, again, with your situation at home, or your separation from your friends, the people you spent eight hours with every day or every weekday, it just changes. For me personally, like I said before, I, I strongly believe that we are products of our environment and we develop cues depending on where we are. Like we know how to behave when we are in school. We behave a certain way when we are at home. We behave a certain way when we're at the mall, whatever it is. So being removed from the school environment kind of changes the dynamic. It doesn't change the connection, but it changes the dynamic of the relationship. 
when before, for me, at least for a student that, that was very open and conversational with me, now because I'm not seeing them, it kind of, we kind of lose that connection again of when they could just come by to my class and I could step aside for a second and have a conversation with them because they're going through something. Now it's more hesitant. They're more hesitant to either give me a call or send me a text, send me a reminder. Hey, let's, let's hop on a zoom and have some FaceTime, whatever it is. Right. For whatever reason that it's, and, and that, and not that it hurts. Sorry. guys, And not that it hurts. It's, it's just the reality of it. And I, and I understand it, but again, students that I've built a rapport with, that I've built a, a strong bond with, now through Zooms or whatever, because I'm not in touch with them 20, like not 24 seven, but constantly face to face, I felt like there has been kind of a disconnect between us, myself and them, right? Even when I try to reach out on a one-on-one, yeah, when I reach out, I get the responses I want, but not when, when they say we're in a whole class Zoom or we're in a small group Zoom, right? It has to be that kind of one-on-one thing, which is kind of, which it's rough because I'm not used to that from them. So it hurts. But again, you have to kind of understand it because you have to get context to the situation of we're not in school anymore. They're at home. They're dealing with their own problems. I'm at home. I'm dealing with my own problems. So again, and I think this the reverse is true as well. Like sometimes they reach out and because they don't know what we're dealing with as professionals, as adults in our own lives, and you don't, they say you don't get back to a remind in two seconds, they kind of get upset that you're, they think you're ignoring them, which is not the case. Again, we're doing a million things as well. So it's been rough. That is the short answer. It's been really rough being apart from, from the students and from you guys. Agreed. I feel like the first month when we still weren't sure whether it was going to be temporary or not, I feel like everyone was treating it everyone was almost like on their best behavior and everybody was chiming in and doing whatever they needed to do. But then by the time we hit that fifth or sixth week, that's when things really, um, it was almost like things really hit. And I know that's when I noticed personally, I had a lot of students that took a dive and that students that in person were connected, just all of a sudden, disappeared on me and it didn't matter if I sent a remind or if I sent an email, uh, whatever was going on, it was very difficult to reach them. So then a lot of the rules that I had put into place at the beginning, I knew I had to change and I had to adapt because of the fact, like Mr. Go was saying, at home, we all act differently than we do when we're at school, right? So there were students that were dealing with a lot of issues at home that I would have like evening Zooms with them and we would have dinner together and like that's what we did. Or we would meet up on a weekend and while that may not have been quote unquote the most like professional thing, it was what they needed it was what they needed socially and emotionally. So it was really difficult to really make those judgment calls because again, it's when we're at work, when we're at school, like 
I don't have an education background. My my first education, quote unquote, degree was my master's. So for me, a lot of what I know as a teacher was either observing my mom and her sisters that were teachers or uh, figuring it out as I went. So I know in the past, usually whenever something would come up, I would just physically go see a counselor and ask them what to do. But I couldn't do that here. That wasn't, you know, this is all uncharted territory. So it was just kind of like having to make judgment calls um, to figure out how best to help each student. And I know that unfortunately there were just some that I couldn't reach. And that, that really bothers me because I know that it would have been different if we were in person. And what is something that, that not only us as eighth grade, but all as a magnet, what is something that we did this year that you will remember for the rest of your life? Do you mean like, you mean like as part, what do you mean? Like as part of the magnet, what's something that we accomplished this year that will, will be like a forever memory, like in year? What stood out to you? Um, hello, you're the first middle school of South Florida to have a nationally recognized award through STN. What was? I'm just saying the bar has been set very high for now everybody coming up behind you. And also it just, for me, as an eighth grade group, you were also the first ones to take it upon yourselves uh, to really take over the Instagram and make it an actual engaging, fully functioning publication. It wasn't just like a pinup memory board of photographs of class, you know, something you would have seen like an elementary school, like a bulletin board. It wasn't a digital bulletin board. It was actually engaging with your audience. You Videos were posted. There was interactive questions. Obviously there were, you know, reports of the news and things we had to do, but there was a lot of content that came from a place of want versus me assigning it to you. So for me, as an eighth grade group, there are more, there were more of you this year than in years past. Because usually there's always, you know, in a group of 30, you have 10, you know, standouts, sometimes less, usually less. This year, there were a lot more of you that really cared and wanted to get out there and wanted to make yourselves known and were interested in trying new things and weren't afraid to get dirty and make mistakes and look silly because every time you did something, it just got better and better and better. And that's awesome because at the end of the day, that's what the magnet's about. It's not about a grade. It's not. Because really, how you get better is by messing up. And like, oof, okay, messed up there. All right, I didn't get the A, okay. I, but I tried really hard and I did this. I got the B, okay, but next time I'm gonna come back tougher, harder, better, more in your face. And it's gonna be fantastic. Definitely, and I also um, kind of to build off of that, um, I, I, wouldn't say, I, I can't pin it down to one particular experience or event, but I can kind of just basically say that this has been the first year that I've taught in the magnet and it has nothing I mean, yes, the, the new resources, the new auditorium, all of that has been, a, has been a factor. But I think it's the first year where I feel like the students are really, are interested in journalistic integrity. Like it's not so much to shoot a good video or it's not so much to just make a cool looking um, music video or a feature. Like at this point, there's, 
the students are actually starting to care about the stories they're telling. They really want to make an impact. This podcast included, like the fact that you're taking your time even to get our perspective on the quarantine speaks volumes of, of your character, of, what you, of, of your wants, your desires for the magnet. And I think it will set a bar for students moving forward to the point that the, yeah, you guys, this, this year, middle school and high school alike has set a massive bar and not just for other students, but for even as teachers, for what we're looking for to really emulate this magnet, yeah. you know? And I feel like this year, I feel like we are truly seeing, seeing the, per, uh, at least uh, we're close to perfect, but a great distillation of what it means to be a magnet mass TV broadcaster. Yes. Cause as, as you guys improve and get better, it makes it that much harder for everybody that comes to audition. It truly does because you keep raising the bar and then it becomes very difficult for us, even as teachers, when you receive work, it's like, obviously, obviously everybody's working at their own pace, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but so-and-so is staying here after school and hustles hard and does this and does that. And, you know, so that when students may come and, and I know that there's, you know, that bad connotation about grade grubbing and things like that. And there's a lot of emphasis placed on grades. Um, due to like, testing and things that happen in elementary school. It just, at the end of the day, it's almost like you have to like outbeat yourself as you progress through the magnet. You are, you are in a competition against yourself because you are constantly improving and improving and improving. And I know we're about to run out of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, they pretty much said it all. Like, I'm not even going to try to to go up to what they said because what they said was spot on. For me, honestly, it's like what I said is not, it's not such so much one thing. It's the remarkable work ethic that you guys have shown this year. That's what stood out to me from the get-go, right? Uh individually as a group i think you guys set the bar so high for people coming in for people in the magnet for just what we are going to be expecting from the students in our classes from here on out you've set that bar really high because again a lot of this speaking to the army speaking to ajikas it's unprompted right this is all a lot of this is coming from you as individuals, right, ideas that you have, that you've come up with, that you've seen, that you want to enact. And it's not so much wanting to, to, to carry out these ideas, it's the follow through, right? Because everybody could talk a big game of what they want to do and these ideas they have. No, it's, hey, these are the ideas I have. And I already spoke to this person and this person and this person about how we do it. And I already got this coming on Tuesday because on Wednesday, we're going to do the first thing. And it's like, whoa like what's that like okay so you weren't so much asking for permission you're just telling me what you were gonna do which again it's coming from someone so young from a group of people that are so young is very remarkable and such a a breath of fresh fresh air to see this and to and to actually experience it and to be present for it that i, I tell the armors all the time and, and Rodriguez could attest to this in the group chat. I'm like, yo, these, these kids are killing it, man. Like, these kids are so good. 
And, and again, it's just a testament of your effort and your work ethic. And that's, I think, that's going to be the legacy that you have that you can leave for middle schoolers and the legacy that you're going to have to live up to and carry forward with you for the next four years if you guys are staying in the magnet. Because you set the bar very high for, yeah, for everybody else, but also for yourselves. And it's just, that's what I'm always going to remember. The eighth grade class that, because we were in quarantine there, didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to do whatever. No, I'm going to start a podcast and, and highlight voices from the quarantine, right? You didn't rest in your laurels. You were in every social media meeting, right? I hear this from Kuzan speaking very highly of you, Brian. So, again, it's just the work ethic and the effort are the things that I will remember, that I always remember this eighth grade class having that I had an experience in such an exorbitant amount up to this point. And, again, it's something that I'm going to, like, again, that I'm going to measure a lot of, of, of other classes too this like if they wanted it this much if they could do all of this why like why can't other kids live up to it and, and again i think you guys are trailblazing and like what you're saying you guys are kind of like the what's what's expected to be the new normal in our magnet which is a fantastic thing and re really quick also like um yeah, it's very true. It's, it's, I would say that honestly, what has really set this year apart, the students are pitching, they're pitching their ideas. They are, they're actually go, coming, going through with their ideas. This, this actually one event I will remember, and I will never forget this in my high school class, you know, after, oftentimes as teachers, we, we don't do it on purpose, but when we get called um, in or called out by first by a student, Mr. Rodriguez, you automatically assume, okay, there's gonna to have to be a problem that we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to redirect or, or try to solve, and but this time around it wasn't a problem. It was a group of my high schoolers that were going to pitch a new brand for our show, and honestly, it was the first time that a new brand well not the first time, but it was I, I felt like the students were really showing that they wanted to take ownership of Mass TV. They wanted to make it their own. By that point, without being prompted, they already created the new graphics. They had created the new lineup. Um, they had created what the intro was going to look like, and they actually pitched it to the rest of the class to the, to the point that I, as a teacher, took a backseat. I took a backseat, and for the first couple of years of, of being in the program, you know, I was always there trying to motivate the kids, like, okay, guys, what are we going to do this year? What's the theme? What's the ongoing? Like, it was a constant, constant, constant battle to try to get students to be motivated, and this time around, it was the students motivating the students. So I almost felt like I'm like, okay, so what am I, chopped liver? But it was great. It was great because because the students are taking full ownership of the program, of their product, of the show. And we're seeing that with you in eighth grade. We're seeing that in high school. It is a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing. Okay, so if there's one message that you can tell your students for like the difficult times we're in like right now, what would that message be? I would say to keep it straightforward and simple, stay engaged, right? And whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you want to do, stay engaged, right? Uh, if you want to get better at school, stay engaged with the classes. If you want to learn how to do a Papa Wheelie, stay engaged in that, right? Don't let yourself get stagnant. Don't let yourself get lazy. Don't let yourself, most important, don't get, don't become uh, apathetic to the situation in which we're in. 
and just not care about what's happening around you personally or out in the world, stay engaged in everything because I think that's that's going to make the difference between when we do get back or if things carry on as they are, it's going to make the difference between you being able to carry on as a, I don't know how to put this kind of, as someone who, who cares about things versus someone who's very, who just goes with the flow. If you guys get what I'm saying, I, I'm not putting it as eloquently as I would like, but I hope you guys get what I mean. Just stay engaged in anything, in any, whatever it is you want to do, just stay engaged in it. Stay active, stay proactive, be proactive. I think. Um, I would have to say, um, and I know this is not everyone's case, but try to stay grateful um, because there's so much that we can all gain from adversity. And obviously being in quarantine and this whole COVID um, business, it is, it's something that's very difficult. It's taken a huge toll on our nation, uh, on the world. But if we can learn to be grateful for what we can learn from this, I think ultimately it's going to set, you know, it's going to set you apart from the rest of the world. I've, I've seen so many students who have actually um, become so introspective during these times and I've learned so much from them. Students that before, you know, were kind of just going with the flow and not really taking time to think about their lives and think about what they want to achieve. And because they've been stuck at home, they just had a lot of time to reflect and think. And that alone, we should be grateful for that. We should be grateful for this time to reassess, you know, what is valuable to us. Family time, quality time, our friends, you know, we can't go out as often. So next time you go out, be grateful that you have, you can go out, be grateful that you have, that you're allowed, that you have, you're, you're living this life because quite frankly, it can, you know, in a split of a second, it, it might be gone. So just take this time to really find a silver lining. Um, it's going to make you more authentic and it's going to make your stories moving forward more authentic as well. Mm -hmm. And just building on what the both of you have said, because honestly, I, I agree with all of it. Just making sure that at the end of the day, as we continue on, no matter what happens, even if we're able to go back to school or if we have to continue distance learning, and as all these different events are unfolding around us, because what we are living through right now is history in the making the pandemic, the riots, uh, this election year, everything that we're seeing on the news, though it can be at times overwhelming, it's important to remember that you are not alone in what you're feeling. And sometimes it's very difficult for us, and I include myself, because one of the things that I learned about myself during all this is I'm a lot more extroverted than I originally thought. Um, it's important to remember that you are not alone, that it's important to make sure that you are touching base with people uh, in clear, open ways. It's not enough to just be like, hey, you cool? Okay. Find those people that you truly do connect with. Find people that you trust, that you can just vent to and share those feelings with or find different activities that allow you to express yourself and be introspective so that you can find 
that moment to be grateful, even if it's just for your ability to get out of bed that day, that you were able to hear from your grandparent, you were able to get in touch with this friend that you hadn't heard from in a few days, that you were clear-minded enough to engage, look at the news, and maybe take away from it a message and start just jotting down ideas for future packages. Just kind of make sure that you stay open and remember that you aren't alone in any of this, that we're all going through this, even though we are separate from one another, we're still together. We're still a family, you know, and sometimes it may not feel that way and some of us have become vampires, but <laughs> we're still together. You know, we're all going through very similar struggles, whether we like to believe it or not, you know, and, and using our, again, we're in a position where you more than any other generation have platforms where you can create like spaces for those conversations to happen and bringing people together. So using your voice, your platform, to bring those messages of hope, bring those messages of engagement, of being proactive, positivity, putting that out there into the world. That was it. So to kind of wrap this all up, what do you guys think is next for Mass News? I think we're gonna go from win to win. I think we're gonna go up from here. Why not? I think you guys, you guys are proving yourselves, and you guys are continu going to continue to prove yourself. And I think we're going to keep improving, right? We we're going to have to adapt, but why not? Stay positive. Yeah, like stay positive. Stay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I like. To me, that is my favorite question. At the end of the year, it's you know, okay, we take a break. We check, we reflect, all right, awesome, move forward. Like that, I love that. And I get very excited about thinking for next year. And with all the uncertainty, while it's scary and it does cause anxiety, at the same time, it's like, without realizing it, without realizing it during this quarantine time, new publications were created and sustained consistently during this quarantine without us having to be in person. So to me, all that further proves is that this program is on the brink and ready to continue growing and moving forward in bold, bold ways. And not only are we moving forward, but bringing quality production pieces into, into the creator space whether it's through news or short film or podcast or social media, yearbook, all the publications moving forward. I just, I'm always excited for new ideas. That makes me happy. No, definitely versatile, versatile storytelling to the max. Complete versatile storytelling is where we're headed. Um, and the fact is that we're not just pigeonholing every student into news. Now it's the, 
the student is the one that dictates what they want to gain from the program. And that is such a beautiful thing. And that's, that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. We're going we have future filmmakers now. We have future anchors, talent, camera people. We have future, future producers. We have, we have so much um, future radio, talk show. Like it's, it's crazy. It is crazy how much this program has grown and in such a short period of time, because yeah, it might feel long, but quite frankly, you look at it in, you know, in the big picture, it hasn't been a very long time. The program has grown tremendously. Well, guys, I guess this wraps up our final episode of the Moss News Vertical Quarantine Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us and supporting us through our podcast journey. For one last time from Moss News Vertical, I'm Brian Ferreiro. I'm Mari Diarmas. I'm Tony Dees. I'm Gabby Edo. And I'm Mara Bordon. Signing off. off.